Hey, hey, this is Hamilton. You're listening to WSOS 103.9 and 95.5. Do you know what I was sitting around thinking about today? No, no, it wasn't whether or not lizards drink a lot of water. Well, maybe it was, but besides that, I was looking at the calendar and I realized Valentine's Day is like two weeks away. And gentlemen, I know you usually get the standard card and flowers and chocolates that no one eats. Maybe add a little spice this year. Here's an idea. South Kitchen and Spirits with locations in Nocatee and Riverside will have their doors open for you on V-Day. But don't dine there. That's a rookie move. Get takeout. Bring it home. Act like you cooked it. No one needs to know. It's literally thinking out of the box, and you're going to make your little someone very happy because at the end of the day, you don't want her to think you're some slimy lizard. That's no good. Let's kick it up. From South Kitchen and Spirits in Nocatee, Florida, all the way to your back porch, welcome to the Bourbon Chronicles. Well, hello again. This is the Bourbon Chronicles. Welcome to volume 29. And let me just tell you right off the bat, it is a little later than usual. We've been here for a couple of hours drinking. We have a special guest with us tonight, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, But if you're listening to the radio, happy Thursday to you. If you're listening on podcast, thank you for listening. Whatever you're doing, be safe. But we know you have many choices. We appreciate you thinking about us tonight, today, yesterday, in the morning, whatever. Every day. Every day. Thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Every uh, day? I've had every so much day. to drink. Every day. I've had so much to drink. I'm going to go boot and oh, rally. Oh, you're already guys. slurring already. Oh, my I'm going to go boot and rally. <laughs> Shut it down. Alan. So tonight we're going to talk, talk about Evan Williams uh, bourbon. Uh, and there's a reason why we're talking about Evan Williams. And we have a very special guest. So let me, let me explain who we have here tonight. So, uh, by the way, we're live at South Kitchen and Spirits in Nocatee. We have Bernie Lubbers with us. Bernie is the national ambassador for Heaven Hill Brands. Bernie is an author. He's a comedian. He's a musician. And if you have any question in the world about bourbon, this guy can answer guy. it because he is the whiskey professor. Hamilton, why yeah. did we bring a, a guy on here to Kelly, make us I all? I have not introduced you yet, so be quiet. Okay, shh. So, <laughs> so we were really lucky. So Gray Miller at the at the bar here at South Kitchen and Spears hooked us up. So let me introduce you to my partners in crime. To my left is Mr. Kelly Barnett. Kelly, how are you today, sir? You can talk. Oh, it was me. Okay. Yeah. I'm great, and I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out why we brought a seasoned professional on here. And Bernie to make us all look like we don't know what the heck we're doing. No, no, he's going. He's 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 going to show the world that yes. we actually do know what we're talking about. Man, yeah, I'm right. I'm excited. I'm very excited as well. Hey, Kelly, I have a quick question for you. Nope. So, nope. You put up some great, great stuff on Instagram. Great mm-hmm. videos. Last night at about ten thirty, you bombarded my inbox with Instagram videos. <laughs> my Sorry. question to you. My question is. When you do your Instagram videos, what room in the house are you usually in? Um, that's a good question. Be very honest here. Honest, yeah, honest. it's a good question. Um, let's let's just say it's a multitasking room. It's a very creative room. The bathroom. Uh, it's a room where I can. Uh, you in other know, words, you're sitting on the pot. 
Yeah. To my right is Mr. Alan Brooks. Alan, how are you today? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing really well. Did you eat today? I did. What'd you have for lunch? Ooh, I had a sandwich. What what kind of sandwich? sandwich? What kind of sandwich? Uh, Ham and turkey, I think. I made it this morning. Do you usually bring your lunch? Yes. He's a brown bagger. Except when there's Sonic Sonic 50 Cent Corn Dog Days. You You know, I I post that for you guys mostly to get a laugh. If I ate Sonic Corn Dogs as many times as they put them on sale for 50 Cent, I would be as big around as this restaurant. Come on. You could put a lot of corn dogs in that body, buddy. I could, I could, when he, te- when he texts me that, I, I go to the Sonic down from my office, and I feed our whole office for 10 bucks. Yeah, that's it's what you awesome. usually say. Yeah, I do. They it's love it. 50-cent corn dogs, I mean, for crying out loud. And they're good. They're and good. they're good. So, hey, so you want to tell us a little bit about the bourbon that we're going to be tasting. And, by the way, earlier today, uh, about an hour and a half ago, we, uh, we, we sipped several bourbons from the Heaven Hill brand. We, uh, Rittenhouse, Larceny, and Elijah Craig, which we did last week. We decided for the show that we would choose Evan Williams because Bernie likes Evan Williams a lot. So uh, tell us about it, Alan. So what I am talking about is the bottled and bond, or some people call it the Evan Williams white label. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it originates in Bardstown, Kentucky. It's 100 proof or 50% alcohol by volume. There's no age statement on the bottle, but I did a little research, uh-oh, uh-oh. and it's at least four years old, and uh, or aged at least four years. And guess what, guys? The most exciting stuff, I love this or part. most exciting thing about this bottle, is it's less than $20. Yeah, you can so, find it. Which I got to say, it, it I've been sipping on it. It blows my mind that it's less than 20 bucks. I've never had Evan Williams. Sorry, Bernie. Okay. I've never had Elliot. Never well, had her hair. That's what this is about. <laughs> Evan Williams and 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 I tried the single barrel, yeah. and I think I like the white label better than the single barrel. There you go. Thoughts? I I, I, I agree. I agree. I am going to try them with the show as we're supposed to do, Hamilton. So Sorry, I haven't tried them yet, but that's okay. Well, you had the old fashioned. You had. Oh, is there? Is, does it say that on the outline? Is there an outline? We're so past the outline right now. Um, it's loud so, in here. So when we we had a conference call with Bernie earlier in the week and uh, or last week, and uh, not only is he a connoisseur of bourbon, but he loves bluegrass music. So we asked him Play, plays bluegrass music. plays blue, bluegrass music, yeah. and I and we tried to figure out a way for it to happen tonight, but we it just didn't didn't work out that way. But uh, <laughs> he picked a, he sent a couple of songs to us, um, and I mean just, just jump right into it. Yeah, so. They, Everything. The first song that we have, we don't have to play it yet, but the first song that he picked was that that we chose is what? Uh, Footprints in the Snow by Flatten Scruggs. So, ladies and gentlemen, live. Ladies and gentlemen, Bernie Lovers, Bernie, tell us about tell us about that song. What 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 draws you to it? What you like about it? Well, Footprints in the Snow is a quintessential Flatten Scruggs song. That's Lester Flatten Earl Scruggs. Earl Scruggs is the guy who transformed the way people play the banjo. Banjo was a strumming instrument. It was, it was just um, yeah. like Dixieland jazz. You know, it's just a strumming instrument. You didn't pick it. You just strummed it. It was a background instrument. Right. It was just something that uh, played a little bit of rhythm and background. He took it into a hard-driving, in-your-face lead instrument mm. that he played with the thumb pick and two uh, finger picks instead of a flat pick. And uh, there, was a, there was a guy, uh, Ricky Staggs tells the story. There was a guy who played uh, banjo mm-hmm. in the Grand Ole Opry. And the first time he heard Earl Scruggs play the, the banjo, he says, 
well, I'm just going to turn my banjo upside down and make a hen's nest out of it because it's, it's not, no reason, reason to play this anymore. <laughs> really? Right? One, of your, so. one of your favorite artists, uh, Avid Brothers, is heavily influenced mm-hmm. by Flatt & Scruggs. Yeah. I did uh, not know so that. I read that about him earlier. So Flatt yeah. & Scruggs joined uh, Bill Monroe's band in 1945. Okay. So Bill Monroe is the uh, undisputed father of bluegrass music, just like yes, yeah, I agree. Mother Mabel Carter is the undisputed mother of country music, and Jimmy Rogers is the undisputed father of country music. But, you know, it's all songs about folks, which later became folk songs, right? So, but still, they tell the story. Mm. So Footprints in the Snow, no Snow does tell the story, but it also uh, has uh, Lester Flatt was the singer and the, um, and the uh, guitar player. Uh, and then uh, at Lester Flatt, uh, like I said, he, he had this high launch. You know, Bill Monroe described one of the parts of made bluegrass bluegrass yeah. was this high lonesome sound. Yeah. Yeah. And so you'll hear that in Lester's voice. You'll hear some uh, great harmonies with the band uh, on to it. They also have a dobro in the band, which is, was Love very, very dobro. common. The, see, the slide guitar, they called it. It wasn't called a dobro back then. Um, you know, the, the, you have fiddle, uh, bass. And then you'll hear Earl Scruggs' take on, on the banjo, which was just revolutionary. We, we take it for granted now, yeah, but it's right. just, it was, and, it was no, like I, revolutionary back then. Banjo, fun, the great thing is banjo's made a comeback and the alt-country yeah, kind of right. like folk thing. But it's such a, it's such a unique, and when, you hear, when I hear it anyway, it, it, it transcends. It, it takes you to a different place. It's just a different, completely. Yeah. It's not a fiddle. It's not a guitar. I mean, obviously, right? It's not, it did round it out. But, you know, what really made bluegrass was the mandolin. So that's what Bill Monroe played. So that the mandolin is a is an instru- smaller instrument, again, that was used. It was played as a background instrument until Bill Monroe turned it into an in-your-face, hard-driving lead instrument. Yeah. So what's oh, yeah. the difference in a mandolin and um, ukulele? Yes. Well, um, they're both they're both uh, tuned to four different notes, but a mandolin has double strings. Oh, I see. So it really does, you know, it, it uh, booms out there a little bit more. It is also right. tuned like a like a fiddle. So you know the difference between a fiddle and a violin. Okay, they're both you know yeah similar right spaces. right. But uh, a violin has strings and a fiddle has strings. <laughs> I love it. That's like um, if you're if you're if you're if you're naked, you don't have any clothes on, and if you're naked, naked you up to something. So. <laughs> Kelly, roll the song. We'll uh, we'll talk more to Bernie on the back end of the song. Thank you, thank you. That's uh, applause for the Bourbon Chronicles. With it's applause for you. Bernie Lubbers from Heaven Hill. And you'll notice, and I said, that was from Carnegie Hall. Yeah, how about that? Carnegie Hall. This is how big those stars were back then. People think, oh, these are just a bunch of hillbillies. You could you probably. Know, these, uh, Carnegie wow. Hall for a guy. Sold out. No doubt. Wow. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> probably not a lot of bluegrass guys <laughs> have played. I'd be interesting to look up, Alan. I, Remind maybe me to do they this. used to, but <laughs> how not many? anymore. You I'll know? forget to look it up. But oh, I, bet I bet Allison Krause. Allison Krause is exactly who I was going <laughs> to see. Who, and Dan, I bet Dan Ricky Kamen, Skaggs Dan Kaminsky probably. Oh, sure. But that's two. It, so like still, still uh, for a little bluegrass, that's yeah, pretty good. That's you know Carnegie Hall. All right, welcome <laughs> back, guys. This is the Bourbon Chronicles. You're listening to us on uh, WSOS 103.9 in St. Augustine, 95.5 in Nocatee, Ponte Vedra, and we are sitting here having sips of Evan Williams Bourbon with Bernie Lubbers. Bernie Lubbers is the national ambassador 
uh, for whiskey and all things music and brilliant for Heaven, Heaven Hill, Heaven Hill <laughs> Distilleries. And, and um, what an honor it is to have them here with us. And we're, and we're live at South Kitchen and Spirits, and i got to say this place is it's yeah. real. I mean, we always joke that it's packed. It's packed tonight. You know why? Because I put an Instagram post up that said if they came up to you and said into window, we had that one person. They would get a free appetizer. I don't. I think they're here for us, not for Bernie. No, no, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's why there's. That's why every so, other time we've done this has been ten people, and now there's a and they're all family. And, yeah, exactly. We have officially reached the level of fame where distilleries bring us swag because I got a ball cap and a t-shirt tonight. <laughs> so, so I got socks. I have reached the level of fame that I've always dreamed about. I have socks that now have the pastor's name of the church that baptized you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Elijah Craig. Did you ever think you'd look down and see my ankles wearing the preacher's name that started the church that baptized you? No, not at all. Sounds not like an old folk song right there I we know. just wrote. That's uh, that's great, um, and not just uh, the similar name, the guy, the, the guy. guy, the guy, <laughs> the guy. Yes. He's a real guy. We told Hamilton last week he wasn't born to do this; he was born again to do it. There you that's go. a good. That's a shirt, man. Like we that. have to make that into a shirt. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, Bernie, we'll, we'll jump right in. I, sure. I'm so interested to talk to you. I, 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 I will. In an honest way, my golfing say, buddies would not agree with you. Yeah, I'm that. sure they wouldn't. <laughs> but I, uh, I read, I read your book. I read half your book, and then I skimmed the back half because I wanted just to, to see what it was about. But it, it, by the way, everyone out there, it's bourbon whiskey, our native, our, our native spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got it on Kindle edition, uh, and I don't say that to I, I wanted to hey, learn about you. Thank you. Uh, one thing that stood out is that you did stand-up comedy for 20 years. Yeah, um, I played the punchline here in Jacksonville. Did oh, you really? Wow, back that's in the day, awesome. uh, regularly, once a year. Yeah. Man. Did you do comedy off Broadway in Lexington? Is absolutely, that where you started? Absolutely. Is that where you started? Well, I started in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, you started in Louisville. Okay, yeah, but Lexington's just a hop skip, right? Right, it's over there. So sure. And you were in college when you started all that? No, this was uh, I was twenty eight. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How, did, how does twenty five to twenty eight? Yeah. How does a person walk in or wake up one morning and go, you know what? I'm I'm going to just go be a comedian because like, I worked I, at a bank. Yeah. <laughs> And that'll make you want to do anything else. <laughs> anything else. <laughs> so but comedy be, sounded like the most lucrative of the ones. W- which came first, <laughs> like for you, Bernie? Obviously, you're gregarious and and, and 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 smart, so it's easy. Comedians are brilliant. Like comedians are some of the funniest, or smartest people you'll meet because they're always on. They're always on. I don't know if they're right? smart, but they're the. I think we're some of the best observers in the world. Observer. Can I say this real quick? So I was listening to a po- uh, who. Uh, it was it was uh, Dax Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert. He was interviewing um, Jay Leno, yeah. and Jay Leno, what he would use, to, he would write with one hand, and think about something else with the other. What? Because he said when he got on stage, it would allow him to see someone, and so it looks like he's saying something about that person off the cuff. So he would be delivering a punchline, but see someone over here because he would was able to train his mind to think about two things at once. So that's how smart comedians are. Now, Bernie might not agree. but well, I mean, Everybody has their own talents. Super but, you know, well, yeah, but well, observant, he was observant. I mean, I'll say the most observant people in the world. Right. Yeah, I'm yes. calling BS on that. Anybody that can write one thing and think about another, that's, that's a devil child. That's him. a devil child. <laughs> and Jay Leno's been called one of the greatest stand-ups of Oh, ever. he totally is. Yeah. He totally is. Alan is the most focused person I, I believe I've ever met. So Ever, ever? Ever, 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 yeah, ever. yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Did you ever bomb on? Tell Everybody me about. Has. Everybody has. Tell me absolutely. about one of those. Like, what happened? Well, oh, Miami, God. Ohio, up at Aussies at, um, at Miami University uh-huh. in, in Oxford, Ohio. 
It was a day that um, uh, it was a second show. We had two shows on a Sunday night. Mm -hmm. uh, it was part of the Comedy Caravan. And it was an awesome two-week run. Mm -hmm. But this was the night that the students came back to school. So Saturday and Sunday were the days they all came back. And then Monday was going to be the first day of school. Well, here we got them at 1130 show. On a Sunday night, oh, man. And at that back. time, and you're an older. I mean, these are young. These are I'm young at the time too. To twenty two year I'm in my twenties too. Okay. At the same time. Okay. But uh, so the uh, I mean, well, that much older than them. And then, uh, <laughs> Jesus. So um, I already made uh, him mad. <laughs> no, I'm show's over, guys. No, I mean shit. That's, <laughs> so um, uh, uh, you know, they they were they were all hey, you know, I yeah. haven't seen anybody for you know several months, so they were all about getting drunk and seeing each other right and it was just a social thing to come you know he was used to i mean this was one of a thousand shows yeah it was just the wrong night and and, and uh, it was just uh, it was a tough night it was just a tough night and uh sure you get you get you get you thanks know, for you bringing that totally up totally bomb well <laughs> but nobody but you talks have to... about the shows right yeah. that you did great in that's right that's because right. you know what you're supposed to do good and yeah. that's the thing with the stand-up we comic. only sit around and talk about the, the ones where they were, they were horrible and that, but that's what makes stand-up comedians great yeah. is they have to get back up and get back on the stage we've all gotten stand, standing ovations we've all had great shows you're supposed to do a great you're supposed to you know you're supposed to you know you're supposed to 99 percent of the time you're supposed to i mean the best shows in the world are the ones that they didn't like you at the beginning and they and you loved you the over. last 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, we feel like that every show. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every podcast we do. I mean, I've well, done it for 20 years. You're not going to do you're not going to do anything for 20 years when you're shitty when you're not you, good at. It. That's right. That's you, right. You did stand up for 20 yeah. 20 years. Eight, 1985 to 2005. Were you That's a musician awesome. first or a comedian first? I played guitar as most people did in college. And then I just loved no, it. No, I never but, played uh, guitar. Gosh, I mean, a lot of people did. You've seen Animal House. You've seen how it works. <laughs> so the um, I don't um, know how to play music. But when I uh, I wrote a few original songs, so I didn't do parodies on stage. I wrote like original songs, kind of right. like you know um, the Haywood Banks or Tim Wilson. You know that 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 type, which which guys I worked with all the time. Did uh, you incorporate that in your show? Yes. yes. Okay. Unless I was working with the it, it, it was, it was a, there's three acts on a show. You're the opener, middle, headliner. So you start as the opener, you move to the middle, you move to the headliner. If I was a middle act and the headliner played music, I didn't play music in my show. Okay. You don't want to step on the headliner's right stuff, right? Because he's got to pull the the most time and all that stuff. So. Right. But it's great. Right. I, like I said, I used to do the ja the Jacksonville Punchline all the time, the Punchline Circuit out of Atlanta, mm -hmm. and uh, I mean, I worked all over the country. I went Hawaii to to Pennsylvania to Florida and the Bahamas I, for I twenty years, one hundred sixty cities in twenty years. Wow. wow. <laughs> I have a question on that. I don't know how yeah. that life works. Bye, guys. Um, it, it feels like another person's life to so me. So when, when someone in, in Utah books you to come in, do you have to fund your own flight and travel out there? It all depends on the uh, position you're in. Or if you're the middle act, no. you got to hmm. get there on your own. If you're the headliner, they usually fly you or, or uh, you have a travel compensation. Gotcha. Bit, yeah. But right if you're the middle act or opening act, you you got to get there. I listened to Dr. Phil's podcast, and he interviewed uh, Bernie... <laughs> What's the, the the black comedian? Bernie uh, Mac. Bernie Mac. Bernie, Bernie Mac. Mac. Yeah. So I guess I think it was Bernie Mac. Anyway, well, yeah. he interviewed him and uh, he talked about he would book shows for 150 bucks and it would cost him 75 bucks in gas to get oh, there. He, he just wanted to but perform. He just wanted to get on stage yeah. and he said the more That's I get on get stage, better. the bigger my name will get. And he, so. Right. But it's an he investment. was living in his it's car. An investment. He'd go to a rest stop and bathe. When in, I worked in the with sink. Drew Carey, he was living in his car. 
Did you work with Drew Carey? I worked with everybody. Yeah, Steve that. Harvey, Drew Carey, Howie Mandel, That's worked awesome. all of them. This is 85 to 2000. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey was the okay, guy that okay, he okay, there you yeah, go. He was, uh, Steve he was, was awesome. I worked with Steve Harvey at Max Famous Bar in Daytona back that? in the day. How about that? All right, so you you um, <laughs> you got your your first favorite bourbon in Cleveland? Parma, Ohio. Parma, Drew Ohio. Carey's. Right. And old ground. granddad, old granddad, right. bottle and bomb was my first favorite bourbon. Nice. Now, is it still? Well, I mean, no. It's like St. Pauli girl. You always, there's always one. There's only one first. That's right. That's, yeah. that's like Woodford <laughs> to me. Like Woodford is my McDonald's. Like yeah. there's there's a lot of fast food right. restaurants that's better that they're better than McDonald's. But Woodford was my first. That yeah. was my bourbon. As a so. comedian, we drank. I I I love bourbon in college and growing up. You know, you we all have our own journey. But in Kentucky, when you grow up in Kentucky, as you did, yep. Bourbon's a big deal. Yep. My dad worked at a brewery, Fall City Brewing Company. You remember that Fall yep, City sure beer? Yeah, yeah, cool. So my dad worked there for 45 years. My grandfather was one of the founders. 13 German saloon keepers started Fall City in 1905, and my grandfather was one of the founding That's uh, so cool. the barkeepers there. So we, we, we grew up with beer, grew up with bourbon. Um, when we, anytime we were on the show, uh, you learn after a while, you learn your limitations when it comes to drinking, and you gotta, you know, you got to be fast, you got to be witty, you got to be, you know, in the case, you know, hecklers or whatever pumps up, just keep in control of the show. Right. You know, there's Sharp. a little hot spot over here of people talking and settling their chairs, but you don't want to, you know, jump on them too quick. You, know, you learn how to control a room and control an audience. It's a lot, a lot going on. Yeah. Right. You can't be drunk or high doing that stuff. Right. So I found just having a beer or two for the night, you know, and if Loosened we ever drank, you know, if I ever drank bourbon, it was after a show. Mm -hmm. And now they'd say, well, Bernie only drinks beer. I said, well, wait a minute. I <laughs> love <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> and they go, well, what bourbon do you like? And, of course, back then, this is in the 80s and the 90s, <coughs> bourbon wasn't as popular as it is today. And there was only a handful of bourbons available at a comedy yeah. club. It's, comedy club is not a bar, right? Comedy club is you go in and they, they may have Crown Royal. Yeah. They had uh, Maker's Mark. They had Jim Beam. They had Wild Turkey. And yep. Jack, of course. Yeah. And that's about it. Yep. Right? Yeah. And I'd say, well, you know, I always liked Wild Turkey. I was like, well, give me Wild Turkey. We called it because uh, it was 101 proof. Yeah. Uh, one of the comics joked it was all white meat, right? So, <laughs> so we'll do turkey, all white meat. Right? <laughs> so that was our thing. So it, we, I did shots of that and I drank a beer. But, you know, so and then when I got to Parma, um, didn't have Wild Turkey, but Go Granddad was a huge brand up in Ohio, okay. in north. So, um, where uh, is that made? Is that made in Ohio? Uh, at the time, it was made in Lexington. I oh, mean, okay. uh, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, in between okay. Lexington and yep. Louisville. Yep. In a, in a, in a distillery called uh, National Distillers. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, there was something I was going to ask you, and I just lost it. Me? So, Bernie, you I wanted to ask you something. I was messing around, looking at YouTube videos, old YouTube videos of you. I came across this song called love story the loves a love song <laughs> a love song a love song a Sorry. love song yeah. which, did which, you guys see that video i did i did watch it yeah which Holy is one of the most requested songs in the history of the bob and tom show wow i used to li yeah. listen to bob and tom growing up of course in, you did in, and in so Lexington, if you Georgetown. listen the next two weeks especially the week of of uh, valentine's because it's called a love song they play it they play every it. year for to this day to uh, for for Valentine's and a lot of times I send them up some bourbon balls from Evan Williams, so uh, and then they go hey our, our friend uh, Bernie Lovers uh, sends up these uh, bourbon balls you know it's bourbon balls everybody's had bourbon balls right oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah because in Kentucky we don't waste anything we use the whole animal right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but the um, uh, so about that. but a love song is is heard by people and uh, you get Bob and Tom down here don't you no I, you I, I, I don't okay, think do so know. when I'm, I moved here in 2000 okay. I lost but anyway them, so. uh, uh, you know millions and millions and millions of people know my song because of the Bob and Tom show How man about, that, uh, it, is, cool. it is hilarious I wanted to play a clip of it but I kept thinking <laughs> you can YouTube it you can YouTube it yeah, Bernie YouTube. Lovers Bob and Tom show yeah. a love song. Yeah, it That's reminded me of the PG thirteen slash R rated version of "I'm My Own Grandpa." Yes, you know, my, "I'm My Own Grandpa." Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's it's, it's kind of like that, but it's more. Like I wrote NC-17. that song in Kerwin Tower. Oh, did you really? Uh, it's at the University of Kentucky. So what is Kerwin Tower? A sophomore University in college in Kerwin Tower, University of Kentucky. I wrote that. It's a minute. It lasts a minute and thirty seconds. I wrote it in three minutes. It is. It's one of those things that just came, this came out. Do you it still? It's hilarious. Yeah, it's funny. Thank you. you still write music or absolutely? Yeah? I wrote a bluegrass song uh, with uh, twenty-three bourbons in the in the in the, in the song. I saw that one on YouTube a, as well. Uh, I didn't still, realize you wrote Stillers it. Row. Yeah, it's my song. See, that's smart. I can't write twenty-three words, much less uh, about a it's song. Be a great outlet. I mean, it, I mean, just to get. Like, I assume tonight you're going to be in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you won't tonight, but. I'm, it, it, does that you play happen? your cards right, Hamilton? It might be at your house. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, now yeah, I'm, ner- now I'm so nervous. Cinnamon. Now. Cinnamon. Uh, what am I going to do? Right. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. <laughs> I don't see Bill Cosby anywhere. Okay. <laughs> We're safe. Bill Pop. So, Bernie, <laughs> you stand-up comedian, and then someone from Jim Beam approached you and said, hey, you should, you should be uh, an ambassador for bourbon. So my buddy Rob, uh, who worked at uh, Jim Beam at the time, uh, so I had this uh, bit in my act that um, uh, it's one of the uh, that I did about my father. And my, uh, so I closed the show mm-hmm. with music, and if I didn't close the show with music, I, sh- I closed it with this bit. And it's about a 10-minute bit. It's about my father who lived to be 94 years old, mm-hmm. true story, and uh, he drank a quart of bourbon each and every day. Wow. <laughs> So that gave a whole new meaning to running the court low when you were uh, <laughs> when you woke up that morning. That's right. And, you know, and so uh, you know, it's like you know, I, I know. So yeah, I just hope that you know, I said you know, cancer can't exist in a bourbon ridden environment. You know, that, in your book, you say you just kind of yeah. he kind of like uh, just, he got probably got cancer three times a day. Just shook it off. <laughs> <laughs> Rub some dirt on it. I think, I had, I think I had cancer again this morning. Right? <laughs> yeah, what happened? The cancer always oh, well. gives me a headache. You know? <laughs> So yeah, but you know, he's a, dang yeah, it! Yeah. You know, if, 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 if you cremated him, he burned for three weeks. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> the, um, but it was a thing about you know, my, you know, you, you, when you're 90 and you go to the doctor, you don't lie anymore. Yeah, yeah right. Because you know, when we all go to the doctor now, we got to make up lies. You know, and they, right. they, how you much do you drink? You uh, know what they're going to ask? Do you right. smoke? Do you drink? Right. And how much do you drink? Right. Well, shit, these uh, are a lies. Couple drinks a week. These are lies you don't want to rush into, right? So you practice them on your friends. You go, does four drinks sound like a lot a day? I mean, does it sound? Is that, so, that's not a lot to me, but does it sound like to you? So, right? So you know, is the, what is you excessive? go in, you go, but when you're ninety, no longer lying, right? You go in, you're like, what the hell can happen? I'm going to die, right? I'm <laughs> ninety. So they go, how much do you drink? He goes, quart. And I go, quart, 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 quart of what? Like beer, bourbon, right? <laughs> what, like a week or a month? They go, a day. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I'm not Canadian, so I don't know what how much a quart is in relation to yeah. a liter. Well, is that a forty? Well, that's a that's, part, that's yeah. part of the joke, right? right. I said I don't know what's more embarrassing about that: the quart. fact that he drank a quart a day, the fact he thinks we still measure it in quarts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whether it's a liter or not, it's still a quart in my dad's book, right? It's quart. Quart. The next, quart. next next bar we roll into, I'm gonna order. I'm gonna order a 
a quarter bourbon. bourbon. Or C and I wonder how much a quarter bourbon would cost at a bar. Yeah, probably yeah. hundred dollars. And that's back when they you know now we call it a one seven five at back my dad's gate yeah. day that was a half gallon. Wow. Yeah. Half wow. gallon. One seven five sounds so much better <laughs> than I, I finished I polished off a half gallon of bourbon this week. But overseas they have they do bigger bottles, right? They do. They, I mean, everybody is regulates it. So overseas, well, they do the they do the the liter, but they also do like a one point three liter, and they do the one seven five. In Australia, you can do a three liter and a five liter. What? Can you imagine? Yeah, it comes on a cradle f- because it's so heavy. So it usually comes on a cradle. It's a traditional twenty first birthday in uh, in Australia to give a a a, 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 a five liter of Jim Beam. So when <laughs> I was nineteen years old. I was in Australia. I was in the Navy. You don't look like you've ever been 19. No. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> it was very early. I was like two. That was the greatest line ever. We should shut the show down right now. And we thought it was the best thing. They had a, uh, a, a, a breathalyzer machine on the wall. And we th- and they give you straws. You press a little button and dispenses a straw. I remember those. I used to be in bars. I used to be in bars. My God, it was a game for us. Right, it was right, a video game. Who can, who can, who can so blow? we would. Swish it around in her mouth, sure, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. See who could blow the highest. So right, one that place was awesome. And do right. So that's and how we, I got in the business. Was this guy saw me do this act, and at the end, I'd say, "Hey, now everybody, order order a, a shot of bourbon, and we're gonna do a toast to my dad." We're doing right? a toast right now to your right? dad. So, so yeah, here's to my dad. Salute, Salute to dad. Four years old. Yep. Mr. And, Lovers. Uh, yeah, Joe. Mm. Mm. So he's like, well, how can I get you to order our bourbon? I'm like, well, I don't know. Said, give me some shirts. You know, is that make it look like I'm sponsored by y'all or something? You know, right, I don't know. Right. Just give me something. And he'd invite, they'd invite me to bourbon tastings and things like that. So over time, you're, you're hanging out with the, with, the, with the guys. And uh, little did I know, a couple years later, you know, that was kind of an audition, really. How can you handle your whiskey? Do you, do you get drunk and obnoxious? Are you, are you okay with people? Or are you right. personal with people? Because, you know, that's part of the job is drinking. Right, right. But, you know, if you're representing the company everywhere you go, you can't be a drunken idiot. That's right. You can't fight people? Is that what you're saying? That, yeah, that's, that's a short list. Yeah, that's on the short <laughs> list. Yeah, There's yeah. three things you can't do. <laughs> By the end of this show, it's okay. Uh, we can yeah, fight yeah, anybody yeah. we want. No, so no. Yeah, no. the liquor business, but we do have an HR department and things like that. Right? <laughs> So, uh, you know, so then there was a, a job became open to do events and promotions in the state of Kentucky for, uh, for Jim Beam. And uh, I interviewed for it. I got it. And uh, it's a pers- you know, personality job. Uh, hopefully I have a personality. And uh, did it. And, it was, and then I, then I kind of got into the business. I found out that this was 2005. And a, a vice president of the company comes up and says, glad to have you on the team, but it's too bad you're on the whiskey team. Nobody's drinking that. Interesting. So that was, everybody was drinking vodka back then. Okay. Was vodka was the big deal, rum and vodka. And still at the number one and two selling spirits. But, you know, whiskey is a big deal, and especially for a company like Jim Beam. And then uh, uh, I started, because I'm a comedian, I like to write my own. Right. I didn't like the presentations that the, um, that the training department sent down. They nice. had PowerPoint. You know, you're in a bar. You don't do a PowerPoint, right? You know, yeah. just awesome. I mean, plus I just, you know, I don't, they were always telling me how they distilled it. You know, the, ferment, the fermenters are set at 72 degrees and all this kind of shit. And I'm like. I just assumed you made it well, right? Yeah. Like, I, 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 here I am, just a consumer. I just figured you all made it good. Yeah. But tell me, good. Stories, tell me some stories. Tell me some stuff good. I can use. So that's when I started teaching about words on labels. Because as a comedian, I'm thinking, how do you take a difficult subject and put it down into small? Because that's what a comedian can do well is edit words down to where it's funny or understandable in just a few words. That's right. And right. bourbon is a very intricate and convoluted and cluttered. Yeah. 
and so much to learn. You ain't kidding. So I started to teach things that nobody else was teaching back then. It's nothing mm-hmm. new. I mean, they Pappy Van Winkle used to put ads and words on labels. I didn't know that until after I was doing that. I go, well, this is nice. Well, hell, I'm talking about it, though. Right. Nobody else yeah. is talking about it. So that put me on the on the map. Then I decided Sister Mariama taught me in grade school that if you wanted to learn about a subject, write a book about a subject, right? So I decided I was going to learn more. That's when I wrote the book. Okay. What year did you? I didn't write the book as an expert. I wrote the book as a learning. As learning. Like us. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. What yeah. year did you write the book? I forget. But uh, it was <laughs> like 2008. I started it, and I think I finished it in 2010. So what was the process like on that? Did you go home each night and did you make yourself write a certain amount of time? You write everywhere like a comedian. So it was up my alley. I love writing. So you just write right. everywhere. Like Jay Long says, right now, I wasn't doing that. But, um, you know, I was in a lot of airports. I traveled the whole country, you know. And so I, you know, a lot of people, you can either read a book when you're flying or you can write a book. Interesting. Right? So I decided I was going to, you know, the whole time I would use be reading, I would just write it. Of course, you're reading too. You're, you're, you're studying, you're, you're researching, yeah. you're doing those stuff. So you're doing it all. But, you know, just, air, airports are boring. They sure are. Yeah. That's some yep. of my best thoughts. <laughs> Actually, you asked me earlier yeah. about some of the Instagram posts. Yeah, I mean, like, I was being funny. No, no I know. Well, you're right. I know. A, B, the second is uh, on an airplane or waiting for a layover. Where you I'm have time to. Yeah, because you're not plugged into anything else. You can just yeah. think. You can yeah. just breathe with your head, you know what I mean? Like and that was just, before internet. I mean, uh, yeah. Wi-Fi was in every airport and right. stuff, too. So, you know, there's nothing to do. So, Bernie, mm-hmm. do you fly coach everywhere? Well, yes. But, you know, now that I'm – when you fly a lot, you get bumped up to different statuses yeah. and that. But, I, but you know, uh, Heaven Hill is a family-owned company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was interesting when I was first hired. The difference between when I worked at Jim Beam, which was the number one bourbon company in the world, I went to Heaven Hill, the number two. Because Rob went over to Heaven Hill. Okay. And then he had this job before I had it. And then he, it was too much travel for him. He had a couple little kids, and um, he wanted and a job opportunity came up for him to run the state of Kentucky and Tennessee, which was his dream job. He said, I want that job. And they said, well, who's going to do your job? He said, you need to get Bernie from over, uh-huh. over here. So then I followed him over there, and so I've been over here. Uh, it'll be seven years. It's March. Um, so, you know, you – you get these. We weren't flying first class, right. Jim Beam. I mean, you know, you can't. It's stupid money. I mean, it's just right, absolutely right. stupid money. So you try to get the status so that you can get bumped up. You, you probably yeah, can afraid. fly free. No, no, I don't even. They make it so hard now. Really, it's yeah, just so. That's hard. tricky. You know, I mean, I fly much as I fly. I didn't make. I didn't. I didn't make. Uh, see, I'm Delta. So the number one is diamond. Then there's platinum medallion, which was last year. But I'm only gold this year. How, how many? How many? Uh, Miles, do you will, will you fly or did you fly in 2018? I'll travel uh, over 100,000 in the air, in the air, and then I'll drive a lot of miles too. So That's, a lot. What's our next song? Uh, Bernie suggested um, a, a, a big list, but we've got. Um, uh, <laughs> do we know? Well, I don't know if it's. Yeah. It was like, I didn't know there were bumps or you're gonna play this. I didn't know. You know. I no, it's I perfect. This is how we. This is how we do it. So, uh, Blue Moon of Kentucky. Are we gonna roll into the song? Is oh, that Bill Monroe, man. Oh, That's yeah. the father Let's of bluegrass Bill music. Bill Monroe uh, and Flat and Scruggs played in. Bill Monroe's band from 1945 to 49. Yeah, I think so. Let's let's play it. You want to do it now? Okay. When we come back, I want to tap in a little bit more about, you just said something, Bernie, that's really, I think, important to what we talk about a lot, and that is Heaven Hill uh, Distilleries is a family-owned company. There's a a story there, and I think that's that's really cool. I mean, I think our our favorite part about bourbon, aside from getting together and talking about it, has been... What's the story behind it? And sure. a family-owned distillery that's in it um, to try and 
better the product and, and better their family name and, and, and do it. They've done a good That's, job with it, too. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> We've really enjoyed learning about, about this bourbon. But enough about awesome. that. We'll uh, do some songs here. This is Bill Monroe, Blue, Bill Monroe, Blue Moon of Kentucky. Oh, there's that high lonesome of high Bill lonesome Monroe. Sound. Welcome back. You are listening to oh, you're there, listening to Kelly some goes. more music. <laughs> you're listening to the Bourbon gets, Chronicles gets here on WSOS in St. Augustine, 103.9 FM in St. Augustine, or 95.5 FM in Nocatee and Ponte Vedra. We're here at South Kitchen of Spirits in Nocatee, where the happiest hour on the planet lives. Happy, happy hour. From a three to happy six. Hours here today. From three to six on weekdays, guys, they have half off everything at the bar mm. and everything, everything on the uh, everything on the uh, starters menu. It's unbelievable. Hey, if you are listening to us on the radio, then you're missing out because when the radio show is over, guess what we do? Mm. We have listen, a little thing. Listen to this guy. He's a pro. He's a we pro. have a little thing we call Last Call, Last call. where we come back and we talk a little bit more, and it's only available on podcast. So if you want to listen to Last Call, you got to go subscribe. You can find us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. What is Stitcher, Alan? I don't know. All I don't right. know, but they got our podcast anyway. Also, on so. fa- we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Look us up. Please look us up. We would hey, love and give it. us a uh, rating, man. Give us a rating. Tell us how good or bad If you want to email us, it's bourbonchroniclesradio at gmail.com. I'm expecting after the Bernie Lubbers show airs on podcast that our rating goes from 1.8 to 5.5. To at I least will, three. I, I think will, it's going to jump. <laughs> I will bet anybody at this table right now $10 that Ooh. we get an email from River Mike. I think so? Show. He's so. A, he He's is better. a bluegrass aficionado. Yeah. Ah. He's and a river, uh, not a riverboat. He's a, a merchant marine in Texas. He is a merchant marine in Texas. So shout out you know, to our buddy River Mike. Hey Mike. Um, hey Mike. Hey Mike. Uh, I think we talked about. That. I don't know if we talked about this on the show, but I remember going to my granny's house yeah. growing up, and this would always be playing in the background. Just you know, so this was in the it, late seventies, early well, mostly late seventies, very yeah. early eighties. Uh, and it's a haunt. It's a little. It's a haunting sound. It's a nostalgic slash haunting. Very much nostalgic well, that you don't get in, it, in in music today, or very rarely do can you find it in music today. That's why they call it high lonesome, right? It's yeah. kind of a little eerie, but it's pleasant, nostalgic. But a little man, bit. this place is still rowdy. Yes. You can hear the bourbons kicking in. You yeah, sure can. Bourbons <laughs> kicking in. Kicking There's going to be a fight here tonight, yeah, Bernie. Some fight. We're, we're going to protect Bernie. We should have been on the porch, but it's 50 degrees, and these Florida boys, I'll, I'll die. I'll, and so, Alan, Kelly, you were going to ask Bernie a, a question about the family, which I think is very relevant right yeah, now. Yeah, so so some of our favorite things, Bernie, um, as we go through this you know this bourbon journey that we're, that we're on, and thank you for – paddling along with us absolutely is when we find the stories that are so unique that that are not just corporate so so heaven hill distillers is, is a family owned and always has been a family uh, yes a company and so, and that's so here, unique. here's the story of yeah. how it became what it was so the the unique thing about what happened after prohibition was you have distillers who have been out of work for 14 years right so they were out of their livelihood they did. They weren't making a lot of money, you know. Uh, Colonel Beam over uh, uh, at uh, the, the Beam plant right. um, in Claremont, 
he had, I mean, what are you going to do before? You know, the government made you go out of business. Right. So you didn't choose to go out of business. You some, were, you were told to go out of business. Some did it for, like, medis- use their. Yeah, Colonel Beam didn't want to do that. So, right? so, you know, yeah. it was only five or so licenses yeah. uh, to, that, that made medicinal whiskey uh, or, or allowed to sell. You weren't allowed to make anything. You could only sell the stocks that were already made before Prohibition. Ah, okay. So there was nobody making. It was illegal to, to produce, transport, sell, um, uh, spirits wow. or, or beer or wine you could consume it that was not against the law during prohibition to consume mm. you cannot sell it transport it dis- distribute it sell it without it right. how about that yeah so you know because there's people it was legal so it, you know if this these are these are rules for the rich right, yeah, right. everything's yeah, exactly. about laws exactly. for the rich so if you were able to go buy a liquor store before prohibition uh, you figured you could make it through, you know, yeah. and a lot of people thought it was going to last forever or they didn't know how long, but it lasted 14 years. That's a long damn time. So uh, anyway, after Prohibition, people who, did, who, who used to make whiskey didn't have as much money as they had before or they didn't or, or they, you know, they, they were broke. Right. And then you had people who weren't affected by Prohibition, who had money, who knew nothing about the, the whiskey business. Right. But they had money. So you had a, a investment group uh, get together. It was led by uh, two gentlemen of the Beam family. And, the, and a lot of the Beams made, made whiskey in a lot of distilleries. So it wasn't just one Beam. Okay? It wasn't Colonel Beam, and that was the only Beam. There was Beams. There's so many Beams. If you want to read a book, Paul Packalt uh, wrote, uh, P-A-C-A-U-L-T. Paul Packalt wrote a book, and it chronicles the Beam family. And I go, Interesting. So there's a Beam touching almost every distillery back in the day. Wow. wow. So, uh, and so... Harry Beam and Joe Beam come to our original owners, which were which were gentlemen that owned department stores, junior department stores. So you know all about those. These aren't the Macy's of the world and the J.C. Pennies and the Sears. Right. These are a little bitty. You know, you go in the middle of town square, and there's this little, and you get a little bitty department store, but it had everything, right? Yeah. So they were called the People's Store and the Louisville Store. And they, five brothers, the Shapiro brothers, uh, they had it, uh, Ed, George, Moe, David, and, uh, and Moe's. Um, uh, they they had this. They owned the stores. Mm-hmm. They got together. They decided, you know, there's this opportunity given to them. Uh, they needed seventeen thousand five hundred dollars to buy land and build a distillery. That's a lot of money to me today. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so, so back in remember 1935. So, so they saw the opportunity and said, sure. So they invested $17,500. They bought 200 acres of land, which was the William Heaven Hill Farm. Interesting. Uh, so William Heaven Hill was an actual person. Wait, so Heaven Hill was his last name? Sorry. One, one word. One word. Heaven Hill. Huh. So when they sent off to the Frankfurt, our illustrious capital, right, they typed it in wrong. So the big royal typewriter, they hit a space between <laughs> heaven and hill. Interesting. <laughs> No, and, he's, no, he's got three names. Yeah. And that's something you won't get anywhere else but right here on the Bourbon <laughs> no, Chronicles. My name is Kel. Right. Max <laughs> tells me, our, our owner and president, uh, Ed Sun, tells me the story. So yeah. they, uh, the family story goes that they got the, they got the license back, and here they are so excited. You know, this is this new venture, $17,500. The license is wrong. They call Frankfurt. We need this changed. No problem, says Frankfurt. Uh, but it is a $25 refiling fee. They, and they said, said no, well, we're you. okay with this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had just invested all this. And that's several hundred dollars in today to their defense. Right, right. But they also, they were going to make bottled and bond straight whiskey. They were not going to make, you know, the, so, so here's what they're going up against. 
1935. The only people who have aged whiskey stocks ready to go on that day right. that didn't have a prohibition were the Canadians, the Scottish, <laughs> right. and the Irish. So Scotch. they can just start selling Canadian uh, club yeah. aged, ready to go. Wow. You can sell VO, ready to go, black velvet, Calvert, right? They also had a, a, a Johnny Walker and Dewars and Cuddy Sark and J&B, all these brands that were back then that aren't around. Some of them aren't around today or they're very small, but they were, were monsters. Uh, Jamesons and Bush, Bushmills and Powers and all this stuff. Irish right. whiskey. So do you want to compete with them? No. That'd be like competing against Warren Buffett and, you know, uh, Bill Gates or whatever. That's you, right. you don't want right. to compete exactly. against them. Right. So you, you, you fish in a smaller pond. So they were going to fish in the straight whiskey world, which was rye, which was up north, Pennsylvania, Maryland. We didn't have anything to do with that at the time. And then bourbon and corn whiskey. So that's what they were going to make. Bottle and bond takes four years to age. Uh-huh. So they didn't have to think about this name thing right. for four years. Right. So they put it on the back burner. So we can always come back for that. Over time, the family started liking the name Heaven Hill. Hill. Yeah. It sounded like a place. It sounded course, like a heavenly yeah, like place. place. Who wouldn't want whiskey from Heaven Hill, right? So that's the that's sexy story of how our company got started. Now, that's what, how his <laughs> name became Heaven. That's right. Now, uh, what if that four-year bourbon didn't taste good? Well, that's why you hire the right people because it, you, you know as immediately as a distiller will tell you. You know when it comes off the still, even when it's unaged. You know, and what they know more is the off notes. If it, it's never going to get better in the barrel if it's bad at the beginning. Ah, that's okay. That's that's a shirt. That okay. is that's knowledge right there. We just dropped knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Can you tell us yeah. some? But uh, if it's good off the still, it's going to get good and better in the barrel. But if it's bad to start with, you can't, you can't say, hey, can't it'll just it'll end up better. It's, it's can't really put good. lipstick on a pig. Right. There and they know. all know, all those people know what it's supposed to taste like off the still. So we huh. did Elijah Craig last week, which is Heaven Hill. Tell us, tell uh, listeners some of the other. Uh, sure. Uh, so our uh, first flagship brand that came out was, uh, so December 13th, 1935, we made barrel cereal number one. Harry and Joe Beam, it's a big deal. Every distillery does it. Barrel cereal number one is marked. It's called a Hallmark barrel because, oh, you, know, cool. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, you know, it's a Hallmark. Yeah. So everybody in the distillery signs it. It's a big deal. You, 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 you bung the, 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 the barrel, put the cork on it. It's called a bung. You hit it, uh, and then uh, everybody signs it. That's barrel serial number one. You don't open barrel serial number one, right? It's just, it's just that's our – and then it's barrel serial number two, three, four, right. five, and right. then that's our right. does it. We're now on barrel about 8.4 million since that day. <laughs> so you just keep adding a number to it. So um, – that means and that was a Friday, Friday the 13th. It's very lucky for us. So, so nice. Friday, uh, December uh, 13th, 1935 is our first barrel. So that means December 13th, 1939, we launched the flagship brand, Old Heaven Hill Bottle and Bond. It was a gold label. And if you look at the movie Forrest Gump, that is the oh whiskey my that Lieutenant Dan is drinking. Oh, what? <laughs> Worlds just what? collided. So that's my favorite movie. We talk about it almost every week. So when week. he's sitting there. Oh, yeah, man. That's, that's old Heaven Hill. My goodness. You're drinking my, Heaven Hill, Denny. My life is complete. There's two things you don't know, Bernie. Number one is that I just peed a little bit. Number two, <laughs> number two is that that's art, like literally our favorite movie. We probably reference it. Look at it. Show. You'll see. I mean, you know, he, awesome. he drinks that's a couple awesome. of them, there, but the most of them are the gold so, label. Right? Old yes. Heaven Hill. I so, got chills. Uh, I have chills about right that. What so, happens to that, bar- that one barrel, the first barrel? 
Well, I don't know. Uh, it's a Hallmark <laughs> barrel. Are they still it's sitting around? I'm saying, oh, they... well, yeah, no, they disintegrated. You know, they, they, if they get dry, they disintegrate. Yeah. I, the family might have it. I don't know. Yeah. It's a good question. But I know where some of the other ones are. Though. Let's go find one. The four millionth barrel, the four and a half millionth barrel, they're all still there. So, anyway, Old Heaven Hill becomes uh, the flagship brand, and that's the only brand we have. And so we, uh, we sell that for 30 years. And then they said, well, it's time for a line extension, right? So, so here's a little thing that nobody else knows and nobody else talks about is that old whiskey, extra-aged whiskey is a modern phenomenon. Well, yeah, yeah. Nobody wanted older whiskeys back then. Yeah, it, it was, didn't exist. They, well, they, well, they kind of did. Yeah. Uh, after Prohibition, they had some left. With, you know, they, they, when, once it was out, it was out. So any whiskey was made before Prohibition. Because you could, remember, you couldn't make whiskey during Prohibition. Couldn't so make you, it. So you it. still find some of those old whiskeys. Yeah, okay. They say, oh, there was, but, you know, easy. People didn't prefer them. Huh. The consumer preferred four-, five-, and six-year-old whiskey. Mm-hmm. So that younger whiskeys, which does has pretty good age. I mean, it has, has pretty good age on them. Um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Canadian whiskeys aged for uh, basically three years. Although, you know, a lot of the, the you know, so I don't know if I can cuss on this show. Is it okay? Pro- to probably on? not. Well, okay, you d- okay. you did drop one earlier. <laughs> okay, we let it go. We just, we stay I'll change it. I have to ask. But <laughs> save it for the. the uh, last but call. I have to quote my father. Okay, my father. I That's told fine. you how he drank a quarter of bourbon today. Go ahead. Hey, my dad drank a six-year-old Heaven Hill, nine ninety proof. It's a green. That was still sold in Kentucky today. Only in Kentucky today. My dad drank. That's the quart. That's okay. what he drank a quart of. And I said, Dad. When I got out of college from UK, I said, you got to try Go some of this new whiskey out here. There's, uh, there's Elijah Craig. He's 12 years old. There's, uh, there's this stuff called Knob Creek. It's nine years old. My dad looked at me. I was crazy. He said, son, I don't trust a bourbon over six years old. Interesting. Hmm. So why is that? He goes, if it's over six years old, that's just the crap they can't sell. <laughs> <laughs> he probably didn't and say crap. And that was the consumer's right? mindset in the 50s, 60s, and yeah, 70s, right. and 80s was if it got too old, that's just the stuff that didn't Throw sell. Away. Well, so they, if you were a, if you were a distillery, yeah, how would you sell the stuff that didn't sell? How would you go about creatively you would, selling it? You would market it as this you is specially it, aged. You would call it the orphan barrel project. No, no, because <laughs> remember the consumer didn't want old whiskey. Yep, yep, yep. So this is something that no one talks about. Okay, mm. this, I had to come to my own conclusions on this and look at it. So, I love so, this. So guess what they did with it. They moved it put, to a different barrel. No. Dang close, it. though. They put it into collectible decanters. Oh, so when you see the old pretty, bean pretty bottles, bottles, when yeah. you see the old Jim Bean bottles that are shaped like telephones or cars, they had a whole series on Corvettes. They had a whole series on different cars. That's right. They had series on trains. They had I.W. Harper was put into decanters. Oh, yeah, right. You had, right. You had uh, Pappy Van Winkle, not the one you know today, but the old Rip Van Winkle distillery had beautiful decanters. And they listed the age because they know they didn't want the stuff that didn't sell. Right. So they tried to mask how old the age was because it was only older whiskey that went in them because they sold all the young whiskey. Everybody wanted the young whiskey, but nobody wanted the older whiskey. And then sales were dwindling, so you had more old whiskey than you had young whiskey. And so they they listed the age in months. So if you look at old Jim Beam (laughs) bottles or Heaven Hill bottles, it says this whiskey is 120 months old. And then people look at it and they're like, oh, it's 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 know, And they also know uh, we in Kentucky cannot do math. (laughs) That's so so true. 120 months. That doesn't sound eight years old, right? Or is it 10 years old? I have no idea. That's older than the teeth I have right now. What what do we have? How much time do we have? Well, we got about three, four minutes. So you look, another one said 150 months old, 160 months old. So that's where you put, and some of those bottles today are some of the most collectible whiskeys. Wow. Because it has old whiskey from the 60s, 70s, and 80s in them. Uh, so 
we're, but we launched Evan Williams back in the 50s. That's, that's where this is going. So but that's where the but other launch But keep that yeah, because yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about that on Last Call, the Evan uh, Williams. Kelly, do we have our music queued up? Yeah, we're good. But don't do it yet because no, we have three minutes. Mm-hmm. There's something I want to ask you real quick for the radio audience. Thanks, Kelly. Yep. <laughs> for the radio audience. You're welcome. Really sound quick. like bluegrass at all. So <laughs> there is something in your book that hit me. My dad's mm-hmm. birthday is tomorrow. Awesome. Okay. He would have happy been birthday, se- Dad. He would have been seventy six. He's not. Yeah. A, he's not around well, anymore. He can but hear happy me. birthday! He can absolutely. Hear me. He knows. He my dad's not podcast. here. Either. They're probably drinking. Your together. dad's birthday <laughs> is May fifth, which right. is my son's birthday. Oh my God! Yeah, and I'm always I'm, during the derby. That, always during the derby. Huh? I'm May six. I'm one day oh away God. from partying. So yeah. my question is: Wednesdays were your was your dad your day with your dad after your mom passed? Correct. I think that's a great dad story day. about dad how you day. guys bonded after she. I just wanted yes. to let you know that that part of the book is it oh, touched well, me in, in, a, in, a, in a different way. It's a very personal part of the book, but you know, everybody wrote these books, and I've I've been accused of being egotistical, right? So why are you talking about yourself in this thing? Why no, you, you have because I was said, you know, I was reading Berman books, and I was like, well, how, what the hell does this guy know? Who's he? Right. So I was trying to tell people where I came from and who I was. Anyway, so my dad drank quarter bourbon a day. Uh, my dad was a, a, a very intimidating fella. Um, he was a workaholic as well as an alcoholic. So um, he drank t- too damn much. He, he was mean. He got mean. Um, you know, too mean. And uh, uh, He wasn't physically bad, but it was, just, you know, it was tough growing up. Ornery. So, you know, you they know, called him back ornery back in that day. Ornery. He was ornery. <laughs> and so mom passed away first, and we're like, we're stuck with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, Dad. And it's a reality, right? And, yeah. and I don't even like the guy. Right? And, <laughs> and, you know, I'm intimidated by him. I don't like him. I really don't that. And so after a while, yeah, I got to know him. I've been spending time with him. Yep. And, you know, and before he started drinking uh, in the afternoon, uh, he had a beer at 3 o'clock, and he switched to, switched to, to bourbon after that. But in, back in the day, he, he drank at work all day, and we didn't know it. And he came home pissed, and we didn't know why he was pissed. Right, right. But, you know, so the um, – Because he couldn't drink at home. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> <And> Stop. <laughs> so he uh, – so, but over time, I got to, to fall in love with the same man that my mom fell in love with. That's and I awesome, said, you know, I, I understand why mom stayed with him and all this kind of stuff. So that's the, kind of the story. There. Thank so you if for it wasn't from that. my mom, it was a great gift she gave us by her passing away first so that we could get to know my father. That was a great gift. Hey, and listen, if you're listening on the radio, come back around to our podcast. We're going to go about 10 more minutes. We're going to talk about Evan Thanks, Williams. Bernie. Oh, Bernie Lubbers, thank you so much, yeah, my thank friend. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Listen, Bourbon gets the conversation started, but your soul keeps it going. <laughs> Thanks for hanging around for Bourbon Chronicles' last call. Last call. We are so lucky to have Bernie Lovers with us. And you know what? We can go all night. I thought I was a good storyteller until I met Bernie and I realized <laughs> I'm in kindergarten. man. I'm in kindergarten. Let's talk about Evan Williams because that's what we drank tonight. Uh, I, I, I got, we got these bottles today. First, Full disclosure. First time I tried them. 
I like. I really do like this. I, this I, is I, good. It's good for the price. Can I just I say twenty nine bucks? Can I just say that fifty people came up here and drank our bourbon and just oh, walked yeah. off? Absolutely. Why did they do that? Did they yeah. take the wine? I didn't even get a tip. Did you get a tip, yeah, Bernie? Did you get a tip? Well, that, yeah, this this is a farce. Yes, the tip. And then the Derby prep racers are coming oh up, and I didn't even get a tip yet. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Bernie, they're going to stick you with the bill. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, Max has the money. <laughs> Max, Max, our owner and president, he's got the. He'll, he'll do it. He'll pay for it. Max, where you at, Max? That's why he asked you if you flew here first class. He's trying <laughs> to figure out what your oh budget, God, no. what oh your God, per no. diem was left so you could pick up our, oh our God, no. and, and again, we're family owned and family operated. It's a big point. And uh, we thank you for bringing point. it up. It is, we're the, we're the largest, we're the second world's second largest producers of bourbon whiskey in the world. Our family owns 20% of the world's bourbon supply. 20%. Hold on. That, I'm, I'm mean, a terrible let that, listener. Let that sink in. <laughs> second largest Producer, we make one one thousand three hundred barrels of of whiskey every single day, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. That's insane. we own Family. the world's largest single site bourbon distillery. What would what would a place like Woodford? What do they pump out each year to compare to that? Do you know? Uh, yeah, I don't know what their barrel capacity is, but uh, just to, just to, to to put it into perspective, um, Woodford's a six hundred thousand case brand. Evan Williams itself is a two million case brand. Good grief! Okay, so uh, and then just Evan Williams, six seven million yeah. cases. And then Jack Daniels is like seventeen million cases a year. And then Johnny Walker's <laughs> twenty two million cases. You know, there's always somebody bigger than you. So I, you know, you know, I always joke with my friends, and they go, oh, "So and so's rich." And I go, "Explain rich." Yeah. It's, it's all rich? relative. There's a lot right. of money around here too, you know. But you're rich. Not, what's but rich? You're boring. And they go, "Well, so and so's rich." And I said, "You know what's rich? You ever been to St. Bart's? Yeah. Right. That island down the yeah. trip. You ever yeah. been there? No, and I, seen I those, have not. Seen those yachts seen in the harbor? Pictures. Now that's rich, yeah. right? When Do I, they yeah. have that? No. And if people in St. Bart's think they're rich, you ever been to Monaco? <laughs> so I'll tell you, those people are rich, yeah, right? Compared to those people, so you know it's all relative, right? It's so it relative. doesn't really matter. I'll tell you a quick yacht story, Bernie. We had uh, so every year we have TPC Sawgrass, a big golf. I've, I've heard of here. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and used <laughs> no, to, used to, there was, this, there was this golfer back in the day that was he was all right. He wasn't bad. His name was Tiger Woods, mm. and <laughs> uh, he had a he had a small boat mm. that he would drive up here and park it down the road in St. Augustine. That's where he stayed. During Sawgrass, sure. during TPC. And no kidding, we have a bridge right over the marina where he would park his boat. Uh-huh. And it's called the Volano Bridge. And if his boat was ever there, you could not cross the Volano Bridge because traffic would stop. People look would at the stop, boat. get out of their car. And it's only a two-lane bridge. Yeah. And they get out of their car and take pictures of his boat. So. Yeah. So yeah, that's rich. Yeah. That's money. Yeah, but it, but anyway, our family is such down to earth uh, family. They own twenty percent of the world's bourbon supply, and what makes us different. There's only one other family-owned major distillery. That's uh, Sazerac uh, Buffalo Trace. Yeah. Uh, but the big distinction our family likes to make is we're family-owned and operated. They're just yeah. family-owned. So so which is great. I mean that's super. That's why they make some pretty damn cool whiskeys over there too. Because right. you know they you know because they the thing about being family-owned is. You're not controlled by Wall Street. Yep. You're not controlled by the stockholders, You're, which means you only have to push one or two little brands, or big brands. If you want to yeah. take a and chance, them, you know, yeah. and even you know, it's a lot of pressure to be under. But we don't have that pressure, so we make whatever we want. Yeah. And the, what I really want to tell you about Evan Williams and our house style, and because and, and what Max is very familiar, Max Shapira, our owner and president. Uh, second generation. He's his coming, daughter in, he's and coming son. In next week. There you go. <laughs> uh, Max, uh, come on down. Uh, Andy is his son. Uh, third generation is his daughter, Kate, and uh, her husband, Alan Latz. They're all, all control our company. They're wonderful. They, they, they're, uh, Max is a true kingpin in the industry, like Sidney Frank 
or you know uh, the the Bronfman, Sam Bronfman, and Edgar Bronfman, who, did, who owns Seagrams and all that. He's a true kingpin in the industry. Travis a Buick to work every day. Yes, okay. uh, he's a, he's awesome. a su- works six days a week. Says he, if you ask him, he's never been to, he's never worked a day in his life. He of loves the industry. He loves everything about it. Which I'd say you probably say the same thing. I love it too. You know, it is great. But the uh, <coughs> excuse me, but um, you know they they're just they they when you when the so our house style is because we don't have to hit a number, right? we can do things that our competitors choose not to do or can't do. Or too risky in their So measure. you're already yeah. waiting at least four years to make uh, your, your mainline bourbons, and that's what you know most, most of our competitors are four years old and 80 proof. Well, what we can do is we can keep it in the barrel just a little bit longer than our main competitors. And then because we're not under that gun either, we can put it in the bottle just a little bit stronger than our main competitors. Right. And when you keep in the barrel a little bit longer, more of those barrel notes come up, and it becomes a more deeper and more rich and more complex and just, just you know, good-tasting product. And when you add less water to it, it becomes less concentrated. You're going to get more of those flavors. So across the board of all Heaven Hill, which includes Evan Williams, just our mainline bourbon, which is the black label, and it says extra age on it for a reason, that's a five-year-old aged product at 86 proof. And most things we play up against is either three years old, which which is Canadian whiskey, or four years old when it comes to, like, Jim Beam and Jack Daniels and Bullet and all that kind of stuff. Those are phenomenal products, by the way. I'm not saying, hey, we're better than. No one's better than anyone. Right. But our house style is different. So in the barrel longer, in the bottle stronger, and then we do something really sneaky because we don't advertise most of these products. We charge less. Yes. So the consumer has made Evan Williams Black Label Extra Age the number two selling bourbon in the world. Man. It means it outsells Wild Turkey, outsells Bullet, outsells Maker's Mark, and that's incredible. But maybe we don't advertise like they do. So that's our house style in a nutshell. Kelly, your thoughts on it? It, it, It's beautiful. Not not only because um, it's good tasting, (laughs) it fits that bill. It fits the one of like. So for me, right now, when you walk into a store to get a bourbon there's so many choices anymore right there used to be five a couple yeah. years ago there were like five or seven you've got wild turkey you got there's bean. probably four thousand labels of american whiskey in the landscape today right so when you walk in and you see evan williams and you know, i'm looking at the single barrel bottle here the bottle and bottom with me but to know that that it's is, empty right now. I think someone yeah, stole what, it. What happened? <laughs> Pretty sure somebody they stole walked it. off with our bottle. I love to know that what I'm pouring in the glass. Number one is as is tasty as anything we've had. That's quadruple the price. And I'm not just saying that because Bur- yeah, if no, it no, tastes no. like crap, I'd say it because okay. I, I Bernie I would, would respect that. That tastes good. Yeah, it, but also um, you're buying into a heritage that is a family that started this and has never given up on what they wanted to do. And that, that to me is what all of this spirit is it's about. All, it's well, about the, the story. That's yep. the most And that was Parker Beam's favorite whiskey right there, the single barrel. That's Parker Beam, who's with our company for that's 56 who Parker, years. Uh, so you name your son after. No, it's Parker not. Beam. Oh, it's not? Alan, what are your thoughts? So uh, I'll say this. So I, I appreciate the fact that you said earlier that you wrote your book from the uh, standpoint of a novice. So you were learning, right? Yes. So that's what we do with our show. We're, we don't know mm-hmm. squat. Well, we know more than we did a couple of years ago. Absolutely. But, but we started the show saying that we're going to learn about bourbon and we're going to bring our listener along with us. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing. We're learning here. And i got to tell you, I'm not, I don't know anything about wine. So when I go to somebody's house for, that has invited us over for dinner, uh-huh. I go get a bottle of wine. I don't know anything about wine, so the first thing that I think is I need to buy a $30 bottle of wine, right? Price point, yeah. 
So I think a lot of people think the same thing about bourbon when they go into a liquor store. And like Kelly said, yeah, they, they, don't see know what to get. they see 100 different things. They don't know what to get, so I'm going to go for the most expensive thing. Or they get and what they've gotten you, 100 times before. i got to yeah. tell you, if you're listening right now and you haven't had Evan Williams like me since I was probably 20 years old and probably mixed it with – a gallon of Coca-Cola. Were you ever or 20? Or Mountain Dew. Yeah. Or Mountain Dew or You've something. You've never been 19. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the old Mountain Dew can with the guy running. You who? Mountain Dew, and it's right. good. See? So I'm dating myself. So anyway, so my point is, if you're if you're going into a liquor store and you're looking at the price and thinking you're getting a, more, a higher quality uh, liquor because it's a higher price, you're doing yourself a disservice. Man, Absolutely. Just try a little bit of everything because hey, don't rule it out because of price. We have a brand called Mellow Corn. It's the only bottle and bond straight corn whiskey in the world, and it's less than fifteen dollars a bottle. And people say, "I've never seen it in my store." I say, "You know why? Because you're always looking up. Yeah. You got to look down every once That's in a while." That's right. Because Do there's bricks favor, of gold. Man. There's bricks of gold down there, and Do you're grabbing gold dust on the yep. top shelf. But you got to pick up the brick, and that's so, what we talk about so, here. So, so, so. Uh, consumer purchasing is is more influence than knowledge. In well, we have marketing departments, so no, no, we do that a lot too. But I'm just saying, that's who yes, pays you. Yeah, of course, I'm talking about. I'm in the sales department. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about influences. Typically, the first thing is like word of mouth or what somebody else bought or what somebody else talked about. They got you know whatever. So, but but seldom do you try something new. Because of percent, it's too low a price point. You need to try something old that's been there the whole time, like Evan yeah, Williams yeah. or you know uh, Elijah Craig, been around since 1986, and, and give it a try. You don't just have to shoot for Pappy Van Winkle or Bland's because you know, yeah. oh my God, it's the hottest, you know, whatever. You can't get it right now. Try do some you, stuff you can get. That's do right. you know you're where, jumping right now? You're because I, so I, I remember this. Okay. Where proof came from? Why they oh. say proof? Do no, you know I don't. I do not. Bernie. Well, you you got to tell, tell the story. No, I, well, I know I can't tell it like you. Well, one of the stories is that, uh, you know, back when they were selling it, you know, you're selling either moonshine or you're selling your own stuff for bootlegging, a lot of people could have watered it down, right? And so, you know, right. you, they don't know what it is. They don't have hydrometers and things like that. So back in the day, in the 1800s, they would take the old mason jar lid, turn it upside down, and they would put a whole heap of gunpowder in there. Right. And then they'd water it down, a good bit of it, in the whiskey and get that gunpowder all wet. And if you'd light it, and if it burned yellow and fizzled out, it wasn't. It was. It was under a. You know, there's like a. The science is like 103, right. 50, 51, 52% alcohol. But if it burned blue, which is true blue, by the way, that's oh, where we get the words true blue and cat. How about that? And if and if it and it fl- made the gunpowder flash. That was proof how good the whiskey was. Uh, is that not amazing? <laughs> yeah. This knowledge how do you, we're dropping tonight. Uh, there good you go. Lord. So, so I, if you look at Scotch or any other international brand, it says uh, 40% ABV, which is alcohol, alcohol by, by volume. volume. We're the only people that say 80 proof, which is 40% times 2, which is the proof. Proof That's is awesome. double the ABV. That's I love the Americana in this story. <laughs> That's yeah, just take some, uh, some gunpowder and light it on fire. true story. Hey, uh, we yeah. made some bourbon of here. Put some gunpowder on it <laughs> light it on fire. You're telling lies. I used to, I, I, in my presentations, I said, you know, everybody back there had guns on them today. And I said, well, that didn't change. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <Still> <laughs> nope. that is we just debate it now. <laughs> Bernie, you, were, uh, you are, were a musician, mm-hmm. comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick question. Uh, a little bit of sidebar away from mm-hmm. bourbon for a second. Um so you you said earlier in the in the show that you 
did shows with Steve Harvey, and you met Bernie Mac. And, and, and I didn't Drew, meet Bernie Mac, Drew, but Drew, I, I worked with Steve Drew Harvey Carey. in Daytona, right. at Max Famous Bar in Daytona on A1A. Everybody As a remembers him. As a comedian. I, I worked with uh, Paula Poundstone. I worked with uh, Drew Carey. I worked with lots of people. Who's the funniest? As a comedian, who oh, makes Paula, you pa- who? Paula Poundstone was always my favorite growing up. I, yeah. I, was, uh, I was always told that I was Paula Poundstone without breasts. Right? <laughs> So, um, you know, she's and so as you got so older, is Paula Poundstone, I think. Uh, yeah. and she's still out there today. She's in Louisville this week. So, t- actually, is she really? Uh, Thursday, tomorrow night. She's in Louisville, Kentucky tomorrow night. I wish I was there to see her because um, I worked with her twice. She was amazing. She's such a sweet That's person. That's cool. What are we um, doing here? We should yeah. be in Louisville. <laughs> we should, we should have done the show in but Louisville. But anyway, uh, but I had lots of influences. Brett Leak out of uh, Virginia. He, yeah. um, he, had, um, he has muscular dy- dystrophy, and he, uh, he is just the best writer I've ever met. Jack Mayberry, who was a writer for The Tonight Show, and and uh, he was just an amazing. I saw him do two 45-minute sets. Yeah. Separate. Didn't even repeat one joke. So flipping have, the coin. Uh, Rick Overton, one of the best uh, improvisational uh, uh, He was in the movie Gung Ho and, and, um, and, and a few other movies. He's just an amazing. Uh, you know, I got to work with uh, Sinbad. Uh, Sinbad. Oh, wow. Uh, Man, uh, I love Sinbad. Uh, you know, he's Sinbad, coming here. He died. Yeah. I Steve? thought he died. No, he's not, no. no. He's not His Come career's on, dead. But that's what, what news are you reading? <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading, man? I was talking Bernie, about his career. Sinbad listens to this. Podcast, <laughs> man. Sinbad would think that's funny. That's <laughs> Steve, Steve Harvey actually said that uh, that um, Jerry Clower was one of his biggest oh, Jerry Clower. You know it because, uh, yeah, absolutely he would. I mean, uh, shoot. I mean, I J. Wish. Anthony Brown. Uh, uh, was another great comedian. Uh, I mean, I just there's just so many. I mean, I can't tell you that. There's one. Tim Wilson, one of the best uh, comics in the so world. You and Alan oh, yeah. are the same. Yeah. You can't pick a favorite. Uh, James Gregory, <laughs> a name you've never heard top of. Five. He was from, Bernie, he was pick from, a from Georgia. <laughs> no, nah, Georgia. Pick, you can't do it. It's like saying what's your favorite movie. I got See? a top ten, but I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't. Oh, Alan, which Alan works in top fives. That's all. That's yeah. all yeah. You you oh. were on uh, uh, Daryl Hall show. Right? I was on live from Daryl's uh, house.com, episode 42 with <laughs> Mayor Hawthorne. <laughs> I mean, me no, and, you were on that show? Me and Booker T. Jones and Mayor that, I've Hawthorne. I've seen that. i got to go back Darryl, and Daryl Hall. Did you all taste bourbon? We did. I did a bourbon tasting with him, and it was incredible. That was one of the most things. That was the coolest thing in the world. I was, a, I was there at his house no, for 11 awesome. hours. I was, it wow. was like a private concert. That's so cool. And I got to sit around with Booker T. Jones, Green Onions, oh you know. God, dun, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Mayor Hawthorne, who's just amazing. I've seen her almost all of his I have not seen him yet, and he—I don't think he's been here. Bernie, will you oh. call him? Tell him to come. Uh, <laughs> he wouldn't remember me. It's like you know, but he reminds me of ELO. He's super I mean, he's just amazing. I mean, ELO, just, you're right. I mean, it's just—it's just like this is a new ELO. This is crazy. Who, who, if you don't nice know who guy. ELO is, that's Electric Light Orchestra. <laughs> electric Light Orchestra. Orchestra. That, that really, really they call, I'm sorry, not ELO. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Earth, oh, Wind, and Fire. Like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Is EWA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> EWF. I'm sorry. It's yes. EWF. I was all these, all these initials. It's the bourbon. Earth, you hear him, he's like Earth, Wind, and Fire. He's from Detroit, you yeah. know, but he's just... I mean, he's just a skinny white kid from Detroit, and he's like, sounds like earth, wind, and fire. How did yeah, that happen? Oh, that's cool. But he that's had all crazy. that influences, so he was just gaga when he was sitting next to Booker T. Jones. Man. He was, and what was really cool about uh, Daryl Hall that day was uh, here playing, you know, um, you make my dreams come true. You know, so he's playing on the keyboard, and, and Daryl still got the pipes. I mean, he, he is sure does, amazing. man. Just talented. got the pipes. But he goes, you know, I mean, you got to give a guy credit who is just so magnanimous with his talent and with his celebrity. And Mayor Hawthorne was just kind of coming up, and uh, he said, you know, it's just too high for me. He goes, Mary, you want to sing this? Wow. And on that episode, he sang that song. And you, and, the, wow. <laughs> and every time you went to a Mayor Hawthorne, every time you go to his concert, he plays a Hall & Oates song. Because wow, really? He helped launch his, you know. Because of that, really, because of that episode. So cool. Because and he, of that, I used, that episode. It's, it's, you don't get to talk to Daryl Hall every day. 
Right? What a life, man. You know, I mean, did you, I mean, did you we, ever think that your life would be the way that turned oh, out? Oh, my mom wouldn't have told you this. No, no, no. Ah, that's Sister awesome. Mariama would have said he's going to be nothing. No. He's going to be sweeping floors. The, great, the greatest thing you yeah. can do to a hard-headed guy like us is tell us what we can't do. And I'm nobody. Yeah. I, mean, I, you know, I mean, I'm just an ambassador for the thing. You know, the, the, the real celebrities of our industry are the, are the masters. We just named a new master distiller yesterday, uh, Connor O'Driscoll. We welcome him to have I saw that on uh, it's great. Anyway. I look forward to working with him. He's uh, born in Dublin, Ireland, and he's uh, been making whiskey over here um, uh, for the last uh, 15 years. And it's going to be an amazing journey for me to learn from him sure. and to see what he comes up with and his take on stuff as an Irishman in Kentucky. Who is, he loves Kentucky. He lives in my hometown, Louisville. But you know the true, and I'm you know the, the true, you know the real rock stars of our industry are the you know masters. Parker Beam was a master still for for yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Russell from Wild Turkey, folks like that. To Fred No over Jim Beam, you know. But we're a small group of people that are all talking about the same thing. And just like our fire, we had a fire in 1996, and it was devastating. We lost 90,000 barrels Man. and our distillery on November. 7th, 1996, uh, a YouTube Heaven Hill Distillery fire, and this will come up and you will go, whoa, how could they survive this? How did they make it through Well, that? the reason we survived it was uh, Jimmy Russell would call in Lincoln Henderson from, uh, you know, who launched uh, Gentleman Jack and uh, Woodford, Woodford huh? said, said, you know, do you need help, Parker? Hey, Max, do you need some barrels? We'll sell you some two-year-old barrels or four-year-old barrels. Wow. Do you need the ability to make whiskey? We'll make whiskey on our still. We'll charge you for it, you know, but we'll yeah, we'll charge, yeah. you know, and they got through. They didn't know how they were going to get through, and our owner and president, Max, was just the most awesome. inspirational person because here you are, you're, you're, you know, you're looks like you're going to close tents and, and you're going to be closed. But he said, hey, he pointed to the, to the back finished goods warehouse where they had bottles ready to ship out, and he said, we got orders to fill and customers to service. Get back to work. Good grief. And no one lost a minute of work, and no That's one awesome. lost a job. And if they worked at the story, wasn't around, they switched them around, and it was just amazing. So it's an amazing industry full of amazing people. And the only reason that people think I'm anything is because I repeat those stories about those great people. And so, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to work at a great company, and I'm blessed to work with some great brands like Evan Williams and Henry McKenna and Rittenhouse Rye, the most yeah. sought-after rye whiskey in the world. Mellow Corn, the only bottle and bond straight corn whiskey. That's a 5,000 case international brand. But, you know, it's 5,000 case. That's nothing. No other, no other company would mess with a 5,000 case brand. When I worked at, you know, other companies, they didn't sell 200,000 cases. They, they, they discontinue it. They just stop it. We have a 5,000 case brand that the family is honored I love the label to sell. Well, that's from 1945. That's yeah. never changed. Well, Bernie, so I'll say that. I, I'm not going to speak for these guys, but I'm <laughs> saying, like, we can shut this podcast down forever. <laughs> I'm, I'm blessed right now to have you here i think it's been my pleasure amazing to hear your stories um you can cancel your hotel room bernie tonight (laughs) i'm not i'm not cinnamon so (laughs) bourbon whiskey our native spirit Uh, pick up bernie's book uh my 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 website is uh whiskey prof like whiskey professor whiskeyprof.com and then our uh company's website is heavenhilldistillery.com all of our recipes are there, the, the process, everything we do. It. It's an amazing website for lots of great information. So, uh, you know, uh, check do us you, out. Do you have anything coming up that you uh, want to talk about before we go? Uh, every day. Every so, day. Uh, we don't have time. But thank you. We don't no have time. time. People. Well, no time, people. No time. I travel uh, three weeks a month. Uh, every every uh, travel the country and the world. I, I go to go to Europe and go to places. And it's just amazing. Everyone wants to hear about 
bourbon. I do a I do a show where I play live bluegrass music with and do a bourbon tasting with it called Bourbon Through Bluegrass, and it is uh, fun. So if you're ever around uh, when I'm doing that, uh, it's, it's it's fun. Well, hey, we do a podcast about bourbon, so yeah, there we, you sh- go. we should start a podcast. I'm there coming. You go. I'm, I'm I'll be. Man, in, we should have recorded this. this I'll, I'll be in Kentucky <laughs> in a couple of weeks. I might look you up. Yeah, but, but Hamilton, well, Alan, Kelly, thank you so much for having me thanks, on. Bernie. Really do appreciate, appreciate it. It, uh, it has been a heck of a lot of fun, man. Hey, man, I enjoyed it. Would you consider us at this point, Bernie, um, junior varsity ambassadors in Nocatee, Ponte Vedra? <laughs> Can we just go ahead and get well, that? Are we at that level, at least? Uh, I think, I think Bernie, as an ambassador, I don't know what that is. <laughs> as an ambassador, Nocatee, whatever it is. That's, that's, that's like a manatee. Right is that here? like a manatee? I know it's Florida. like a skinny manatee. I think you can. It's like being a knight. Like you're knighted, you can knight others. I think he go. just anointed us. Nakatee, that's where we are, right? Yes, Nakatee. Right. Okay, okay. Nah. I'm catching on. I'm Nakatee. Nakatee. Hindu window. Man, awesome. We had a guy from Paducah here tonight, so that's kind of oh, really? cool. Really? Yeah, Paducah, Kentucky in the house over here. Oh, I thought he said Duke, and I'm like, no, nobody from no, we Kentucky don't talk about wants Duke. anybody from we Duke. We don't talk about Duke here at all. <laughs> um, Bernie, thank you for carving out some time out of your You're welcome. Crazy and come schedule. visit us in Kentucky. No, we, we have well, two visitor experience, one in downtown Louisville, one in Barstow. Please so, come. Uh, let me, I'll say this about your distillery. I haven't been there yet, but I will be. It's, it's a definite bucket list time. One of our friends, I know we got to go. Hamilton's giving me the look. One of our good buddies in the show. I got real work. Oh, sorry. One of our good buddies is a very uh, educated uh, man about bourbon. And he said the first time he ever went to the bourbon trail, the first, it just happened to be, they didn't really plan it that way, but the first distillery they went to and got a tasting and started learning was Heaven Hill. And he said that the guys at Heaven Hill and the guy that taught the class were so educational and so friendly and so good that it made the, the entire rest of their uh, weekend it trip sure can. better because they learned so much from Heaven Hill before they That's went right. to all the other ones that are, you know, Whoever else, right? right? So, and that was Rogers, our, you know, yep. he, our good buddy, he, he, good buddy Rogers. I'm gonna tell you, if that guy says something, put it, put it, you know, in the gospel. It's true. So he said, we went there, we learned it, and it made the whole weekend better because we knew so much about bourbon after leaving Heaven Hill. We know so much more about um, bourbon tonight because of you, Bernie. Thank you for carving hey, out thank time, you. and we, thank you. we Thanks really for appreciate me. it, Hamilton. All right, we're out. That's it. That's uh, that's a wrap, folks. <laughs> Thanks, Bernie. Thanks, Bernie. Thank you. Let it rain, let it pour, let it rain a whole lot more Cause I got them deep river blues Let the rain